Good evening. Today is Wednesday, December 28th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is Into Action, Step 12, and our speaker tonight is Lori C. Welcome, Lori. Go ahead. Thank you very much. I'm Lori. I'm a compulsive reader. Uh, there is so much to be said about the chapter working with others, and so much I, I think uh, that we in OA can learn. Uh, from this chapter. Uh, it was forged from a very strong experience, especially that Bill had for the first six months after he sobered up for, at the town's hospital in December, when he tried to carry the message to a whole bunch of people, and he failed absolutely. He had a conversation with his wife, Lois, uh, with after about six months. He said, I haven't been able to keep anyone sober. And she said, yes, you have. You've kept yourself sober. And that moment in time, coupled with Bill's talking to uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Silkworth about how he had failed and Silkworth saying, well, that's because, I'm paraphrasing, but that's because you're not talking about the hopelessness. You're not talking about how hopeless you were. You're not talking, you're talking to them from on high and not as another person trying to help someone else who has the same problem. And the chapter working with others reflects that very, very carefully. Um, it's very different from what I have experienced in many, many OA rooms, which is welcome and you'll find love and understanding beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, it's nice to have people uh, who, uh, you know, we love you unconditionally. Uh, I found spirituality. I found emotional and spiritual growth here. And I'm working on the physical, um, you know, it... it if we read the promises, the famous promises, you know, uh, before uh, step, uh, halfway through step nine, but you don't read the promises after step 10, which is the neutrality about the food. I came to this fellowship because I had met an alcoholic whose first job, because he was completely on the skids, um, his first job when he, when he became uh, sober was to run a bartending school and he didn't try any of the drinks that he was teaching people how to mix because he didn't want to drink. And I met all these people who could be around alcohol and not want it. And what I wanted from my eating career, from the experience of my eating career, was the experience of not wanting or not being tempted to go back to that which I knew I should be abstaining from. And uh, the big book makes it very clear that that's really where we should be uh, the, talking about. Now, the chapter working with others starts with some promises, all these wonderful promises, life will take on a new meaning. I won't go into that, um, although they're wonderful promises. But they also say right at the beginning, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. I need the alcoholic more than the compulsive eater more than the other compulsive eater might need me. They might be doing me more good than I might be doing them. I might be the worst sponsor of the world. They might not, even if I'm a good sponsor, the person I'm talking to may not identify with me, may not hear me in the way that, that, uh, that uh, other people might hear me. But I have gained from every single person I have carried the message to, uh, whether or not they have uh, recovered, because their recovery is up to them. And I have nothing to do with their recovery. It's, it's the work that they have to do, not the work that I have to do. But the, the big book spends a few pages talking because the big book was written for people who would not 
have meetings in their hometown who would not have AA or any any Oxford group meetings as it was when it was first published uh, in their hometown. Um, and they had to find drunks. They had to find alcoholics. So it talks about how to find one. And I'm not going to go into that because that's what OA has become and what AA became. It is a place for people who have to carry the message to find people to carry the message to. Tradition 5 says that, that our our common purpose is to carry the message to those, uh, carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps to those who still suffer. That's tradition five. And all our meetings should be and are geared to carrying the message of recovery through the 12 steps to those who still suffer and to aid the individual who has recovered to carry the message to those who have not recovered. And we, we can't forget that. And what is this message? What is this message of recovery? It's step two, that we have had a spiritual awakening, spiritual experience, spiritual awakening, through the 12 steps that has given us sanity. And what is the sanity that is promised to us? Sanity over our mental problem that we cannot stop from starting again. Not that we're sober, not that we're abstinent, but that we don't want to go back to what we were like when we weren't abstinent. It's not that we have to become abstinent, it's that we have to keep abstinent, and keeping abstinence requires carrying the message. Now, I can show this, but I don't have time to show this, but I want to point out a few things. On page 90, when you're talking about meeting a prospect, his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered and the word has recovered. The word recovered is used in the, in the big book. I believe it's 12 times. The word recovering is used only once, and that's for a person who is in the process of working the steps but hasn't yet reached uh, step nine and recovered. And why is it recovered? Because we're, we have recovered our sanity. We're different from what we used to be. And this difference is what the compulsive eater who really wants our program who wants what we have to offer, doesn't, isn't just looking for support, is just looking for love, isn't just looking for someone to whine to, but someone actually wants to deal with their addiction. Uh, that's what they're looking for. When I say to people the truth, which is that ice cream goes bad in my freezer, my wife doesn't like ice cream and I don't want it, and I don't care if it goes bad. And 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 ice cream was one of my biggest addictions. And it just goes, you know. And I think that's a miracle. It's a miracle for me. And I can watch other people eating butter popcorn. I can watch other people uh, eating uh, uh, desserts and or eating foods that I can't eat. And I can hear them wax enthusiastic. Oh, this is the best X I've ever had. And be happy for them and not want to try a bit. Or if they have any leftover, not want to eat with the leftovers. That's a miracle. It's not a miracle to my wife. It's not a miracle to many of my friends. It's a miracle to me. When I say that to a newcomer and they know that that's a miracle, that would be a miracle for them, I know I've begun to get them hooked because I know that they begin to identify as the compulsive eater. And then it says on page 90, you should be described to him as one of a fellowship who as part of their own recovery, try to help others who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And this whole notion that they're doing you a favor and they are, I mean, it's, let's not kid ourselves. It's not a sales technique. They're doing you a favor by allowing you to carry the message to them. 
And this whole interdependence is, 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 is the key. Um, the big book goes along and on pages 91 and on, it talks about what to say. And what do you say? You tell your eating or non-eating, if you're maybe a restrictor as opposed to an overeater, uh, you, uh, uh, you tell your compulsive eating story. You tell it in such a way that they begin to understand the twofold nature of the problem from the big book's perspective. One is that we can't stop once we started, that the action of ingesting certain foods or indulging in certain behaviors grabs us at certain points, such that even though part of our conscious mind wants to stop, we can't. And that's not our real problem. The real problem is that even if we've been able not to indulge in those behaviors or those foods for a while, our mind still gives us excuses to go back. They may be deep emotional excuses, traumas, uh, happinesses, sadnesses, loneliness, whatever, bad, terrible, awful, traumatic memories of the past. Or they may be silly, crazy, little one-off things like I've been good for a year, six months, a month, a day, a week, a, a week, a day, five minutes. I didn't eat the bun so I can have the cake. I exercise for 10 minutes. That's good. No one's looking. You know, whatever they made it for me, especially, whatever the reason, our problem is our mind. Because that's what the steps clear. The steps clear the mind. And the big book makes it clear in pages 91 through uh, 93 that that's what we have to talk about. Not about God and all these wonderful things. They have to want what we have, and they have to, first of all, identify with our problem. And if they identify with our problem, then they can understand that the 12 steps give them a solution. Because what the 12 steps do is provide the clarity of mind for, uh, for the, the sanity to be able to say, why would I indulge in this? It's poison for me. It's not poison for the other people indulging it, but for me, it's poison. And then the big book provides on page 93 some very important advice, especially for people who are in OA meetings that have sort of common, um, uh, sort of a, a, a large majority of a particular religion. Um, people who take for granted that the God they are speaking of uh, is, is understood by most of the people in the room as being the God that the other people are speaking of. I can't tell you the number of people I've spoken to when I identify myself as an atheistical agnostic or agnostical atheist. Uh, the number of people I've spoken to who thank me for doing that because they say they're afraid to speak of their own beliefs in the rooms of OA because they're afraid that they will alienate people who speak specifically of the kind of God that they have. Um, and the big book is clear on page 93 of saying, you know, use everyday language. Why do you say, for instance, I don't, I'm not sure anyone here would say that, but why does one say, my God, whom I choose to call X, why is it important to make that statement? Why is it important to, to talk about their particular God? It's more important to say, I have had a spiritual awakening. I am closer to the things I most believe in. I call that God. Other people might call that deepest values. It doesn't matter. 
what's important is that I'm living according to what I believe in. You know, the chapter we agnostic says the problem is that the pipeline between what we deeply believe and how we think and act, that that pipeline is blocked. And what the steps do is unblock the pipeline. And that's all that it does. It makes us live in harmony with what we believe in. That's giving us sanity. Um, some further extremely important um, uh, page 94, your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Um, the next parts of the, of the big book and chapter working with others is the emphasis on the individual prospect, the persons doing it themselves. And that the job of a sponsor is not to coddle or to become codependent or to give orders or to tell them what they must do, or to set the, the exact way in which they will do the steps. People are individuals, and it's very clear from the big book that you have to treat every person as an individual. Think of it, how many people have to work to understand the language of the big book, and how many others don't? How many people immediately sort of look at this and say, well, why didn't my spouse read that book. They, they're they the alcoholics. Why do I? I suffered at their extent. How many people don't understand the idea that victimized people can also work the steps the same way that victimizers work the steps? Um, you know, they may have trouble reading. They may have trouble accepting the language, the patriarchal language of the big book. They may have trouble accepting the essentially Christian perspective of much of the language of the big book. Um, or they may find it easy. And how they how they read it and what they retain, they may retain more, they may retain less. People are different and every person deserves to be treated differently. Some people have to be helped along in working the steps because they can't write well. They don't know how to write. Some of the steps require writing, step four especially. Um, some people can whiz through it. And, um, different ways of working the steps uh, have to be as different as the individual. And I think the big book is clear about that. They're absolutely clear as well that your job is to give on page 96 much practical advice. And again, not to tell them what they must do. Um, you know, people relapse. Do you say when you sponsor, do you say to them, well, you must now read the doctor's opinion paragraph by paragraph. We'll discuss a paragraph every every uh, day. Tell you what I do. I say, boy, have you learned your lesson? Uh, you must feel worse about yourself than you did when you started. Let's look at what your mistakes were, how, how to prevent the relapse in the future. Get sober for a couple of days and go on with where you were. Why? why what kind of lesson do you need to learn? Why do you have to read it again and again? Maybe your plan of eating isn't good. Maybe you haven't, uh, you didn't work the steps so, uh, quickly enough. But the point is to get them on to working the steps and not to punish them for what they've done. And sometimes forcing people to read things over and over again can be punishment. That's um, five minutes remaining. Five minutes, thank you. Um, I want to emphasize on page 98. The minute we put our work on a service plan, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. 
job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking. So long as we place our dependence dependence uh, upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Burn the idea of the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. And I, I want to ask people to consider the question of how often you should be speaking to the sponsee. If it's every day, how are they? How do they find time to work the steps? Um, you know, why don't you think about the idea of telling them this is the step you have to do? If you have any questions about how to do it, I'm available to help you clarify and understand. But just do it. It's your job. Do you want to make an appointment for step five? Let's make an appointment for step five. Do you want to discuss steps eight and nine? Let's start, uh, discuss steps eight and nine. But think about codependence. If people are more dependent upon you as the sponsor than they are upon finding their own higher power. There may be something wrong. Furthermore, when you when a person has recovered, why is there a continued connection with them? Don't you both have obligations to carry the message to those who still suffer and not those who have both re, who are, both of you have recovered? Aren't you taking away time from the person who needs help um, uh, in order to speak to the person who doesn't need help? Um, I, I mean, I'm very, I'm being provocative here, I know, but I just think that it's time to rethink what the big book says and use what the big book says uh, about how to work the steps uh, and how to sponsor people. Um, remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon other people, page 99 to 100. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. Um, and uh, I have, I think, about two more minutes left. So I just want to talk about um, on uh, the concept that meetings should reflect this same approach, that our meetings should always be meetings in which we talk about the steps and not about anything else other than that. Our job is to talk about recovery through the 12 steps in order to help those who still suffer. Um, I go to meetings to help other people, not to get help from those meetings. Um, and we have to remember that uh, tradition five is at the heart of every meeting. Does this meeting carry the message to those who still suffer, the message of recovery uh, through the 12 steps? I have a minute to go, but I, 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 I don't want to concentrate on the big book. I want to say that the people I, some of my idols in OA don't use the big book to, uh, to, to work the steps. But what we have in common is four things, and I'll, I'll end with this. It's life or death for us. It's a life or death addiction. Secondly, we are abstinent while working the steps. Three, we work the steps quickly and well in order to recover. And four, we help others as if our lives depend on it. And I just want to end with that. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much, Lori, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope on uh, the chapter working with others and step 12. Thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter, working with others and step 12 being studied this week. We ask that you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine 
if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would Kira please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Betty S. Hi, I'm Betty S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Florida. So grateful to be here, Lori. Thank you so much. I always get so much support and help and information and and uh, rerouting back to God, to higher power when I listen to you. So thank you so much for for blessing us with your 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 carrying the message today. Um, my I have a question. I have a lot of questions, but my my question for tonight is, um, you know, I prior to recovery, I was a a chronic relapser for many years in a way and without even knowing that, you know, thinking I was recovered and I really wasn't. And so I do often work with chronic people who are chronic relapsers, but you know, we get stuck. A chronic relapser gets stuck. How do you help someone get unstuck? I know how the sponsor, well, I, I guess it was because I was desperate enough. That's, that's my answer to my own question. I was so desperate that I got unstuck and, and was willing to move on. But what is there anything a sponsor can do to help those that are stuck and keep relapsing back into the food but want to get well? That that situation. I can only tell what I do. I don't know if it works. Um, but, uh, you know, from the big book perspective, there are really only two reasons why someone has relapsed. One is that their plan of eating might still be including things, either behaviors or, or foods or the ingredients that they should be abstaining from. In other words, that their body is still keeping them addicted. Um, and, and I always go through the plan of eating that people have uh, to make sure that they're not fooling themselves. Uh, I always say, you know, if you have any yellow light foods, put them into the red light, be as strict as you can while you're working the steps through to step nine. Uh, the other is what steps did they not do either well or as quickly as they should have? And what plan did they have for working the steps quickly and for keeping abstinent while they, before they received the sanity promised at the end of step nine? And that means sometimes they have to work on a strategy. They have to work on a buddy system or phone calls, um, uh, even, even saying, I will have this stuff that I am tempted after I've uh, drunk two glasses of water and re read, read 20 pages of the OAA literature or, uh, you know, written and written three pages of gratitudes. If they want to eat it after that, God help them, you know. Um, but I also will say, um, you know, is this life or death with you? Because, you know, I, I liken this, I, I, I had to quit drinking coffee because I was a, a caffeine coffee, caffeinated coffee, because I needed it to get through the day. I needed 12 to 20 cups a day before I stopped, uh, before I got cold, uh, I went uh, uh, cold turkey on that. But there are some people who need one or two cups of coffee a day to get up in the morning. And then they don't need it for the rest of the time. Well, that's an addiction, but it's not life or death. But 12 to 20, that could be life or death. That's a medical problem. Um, 
So how serious do they take it? And sometimes they have to understand uh, whether or not, or have to accept whether or not they're hopeless. I don't have much else to say. I take a very, you know, I, I never fire sponsees, but they often leave me because I just repeat myself over and over again. It's up to them to treat this as life or death and to treat it as a major priority. Um, and if they don't, that's their problem. I don't know if that helps, but that's how I do it. Thank you, uh, Lori. Great question, great answer. Daryl P is up next. Hey, I'm Daryl P, compulsive overeater. Um, Lori, um, I just wanted to, to say you had led a retreat um, in New Orleans and you had come down to like Chattawa, Mississippi <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and led a retreat for us. Um, and the point, the point I was wanted, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because there was something you said during the retreat and it was an aside, like it wasn't even like a, you know, central thing, but it was something that you said and it's remained with me. I think you were well, I know exactly what it was. You were talking about potatoes and like, you know, the fact that the issue with potatoes isn't necessarily, you know, the potato, the potato itself may be innocuous. It's like the, the, you know, stick of butter and the thing of sour cream and the, you know, all the stuff that people dump on the potatoes. Right. And, and I just want you to know that I cannot to this day eat a potato. <laughs> So you never know. You never know like how, you know, what what you say might um, you know, live live on um or, you know, come back to um interfere with somebody's, you know, um compulsive overeating at some point or another. Anyway, um my question was was really one of you said you know you have to be abstinent and I and I wanted to hear you know I do feel like it's a little bit of a catch-22 if you separate abstinence from recovery you know if you're going to be super super clean like how you know do you do you get abstinent first and then work the steps so you work the steps and then you get you know like like I feel like you can't wait work the steps even if you're not perfectly abstinent so I I, I don't know I, I, it's kind of a catch me too waffly question but that's you know that chicken egg thing I just wanted to hear your I'd, I'd love some insightful cutting biting comments on that from you because you're you're really um great at that oh and I the other thing you had said that I have passed on a lot because I love it is the um Bob Newhart stop it um, and I really appreciate that. And like when I catch myself sometimes, I'll just be like, I will tell myself that now. So and and that's thanks to you. With that, I pass. Thanks, Sarah. Well, uh, first of all, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad for the question. It, it, it's important for people to understand that the World Service Business Conference, the group conscience of OA, has said very clearly that each one of us has to pick our own sense of what we have to abstain from. Um, uh, because what I can eat, other people can't eat, and what other people can eat, I can't eat. And for one sponsor to say, I can only sponsor you if you don't eat this, or if you do eat this, or if you follow this, 
plan of eating is certainly not carrying the message to everyone who still suffers in the same way that someone says, I can only sponsor people who have a particular religion. This is not what the 12 steps are about. The 12 steps are about helping anyone at any time who needs help. Um, so uh, it is clear from the big book, it's not necessarily the group conscience of OA, which is slightly not as black and white, but it's very clear from the big book that you have to be absent before you work the steps. Doesn't You don't have to be absent very long, but you have to be clean of your addiction. And um, it's harder in a way because we don't all know what our addiction is. And, and my experience has been that, generally speaking, we have to be as honest as we can be. And then things will become clearer if we eliminate the obvious things then maybe some not so obvious things will crop up two weeks later, five months later, or whatever. And we have to abstain from those as well. I don't know how you can be honest enough to work steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine while you're not abstinent. And, and I have a tragic story, which I can't go into great detail, but I sponsored a guy who had been in AA and NA for many, many years. And they were big, he was a big book fanatic, knew the big book better than I did. And he asked me to sponsor him, and I he wouldn't work out a plan of eating. He said, I'm hoping to work the steps and get abstinent. And I said, if someone came to you in AA and said, I hope, I'm hoping to drink while I work the steps, and I'm hoping the steps will get me sober, what would you say? And of course, uh, I will not use the exact words he used, uh, but he did say I would tell them to go away, not as politely. Um, and and yet. I said, I'll, I'll help you how I can. Uh, he died, died by suicide, actually, about four years later, never having gotten absent in, in a way. And I miss him to this day, it was many years ago. And so from my perspective of someone with that knowledge of how to work the steps and all that experience of being sober and clean in NA and OA, OA AA and NA, um, it's pretty obvious to me that that you can't, you can't do this without being as rigorously honest as you can be. I, I had to change my abstinence, not change, but I had to add to things I abstained from. As I got rid of the foods and the ingredients I knew I had to abstain from, it became clearer and clearer to me because I wasn't losing weight that I had eating behaviors that caused me to, volume eating behaviors that caused me problems that I had to abstain from. As soon as I did abstain, as soon as I realized that, I abstained from them, no problem, and I continued to work the steps. So I, I believe it's not chicken and egg. I, you know, the, if you look at the big book, of course, a person ought to be separated from alcohol, it says in the doctor's opinion. Of course, you know, and uh, Bill was separated in the hospital. Then he got so, then, you know, then he was, the, if you're drunk, how do you, how do you work the steps? That's, that's what I believe. Thanks. That's my experience. I'm not, it's not just what I believe. <laughs> Thank you, Laurie. Uh, Karen is up next. Hi, Karen, compulsive overeater. Um, Laurie, thank you so much. I have been very grateful to have come across your work before and used it to help me in my step work and so on. And just when I found out you were here tonight, I was like, yes, I'm coming and I'm telling everyone I can as well to come along because um, what an opportunity and a gift. And I'm um, sitting here making a thousand notes and just so I can can savor it all and take it back to to enhance my work. 
And I'm laughing because of the stuff about steps unblocking the pipeline. I've got plumbing issues today. I'm just going, oh, my God. But um, it, just the clarity that you, that it just continues to astound me, just how, you know, carry the message of recovery. What What's the message? Step two, yes. And then tying it all back to um, the step 12 here, you know, that every time I work with somebody else, it is always helping me. And, you know, like especially this Christmas week of, of just pure utter insanity in some spaces has been um, challenging. <laughs> and every single time I've I've felt a disturbance in the force, so to speak, um, I've been very grateful to be able to think of others, work with others, well, not even thinking, just to get my head out of my bum to to do that service and and, and take a call or make a call. Um and to, to do that, and I don't know, I just think it's really good to have that reminder. Um, the other thing that's just literally this morning before I came to this meeting, I was listening to an old um, talk from Mark H, and it talked about the depend no dependencies, like, and that's in on page ninety eight, where you know to have no dependence upon other people uh, except on God, and like that's just another like I love these patterns that crop up that, that resonate. Um, and so I'm just really grateful for that reminder too. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what I wanted to sort of talk about briefly, but to ask you, because um, we've been talking about the relapse stuff, and I guess from a from a sponsoring point of view, with when a sponsor relapses or when a sponsor has a break in their abstinence, I've heard lots of different theories of like you can't sponsor for 30 days or you can't sponsor for six months I don't know if there's any hard or fast rules about that but I'd be interested in your perspective on that kind of thing so yeah, yeah. well thank you well first of all I don't want to take any credit for my analysis I owe it all to uh, Joe uh, the two Joes and Charlie and to a guy named Blaine in my hometown who did big book studies from which I've learned so much I think I've plagiarized just about all I I've ever said from them, so I take no credit uh, for it. Um, um, I don't. I there are no hard and fast rules. Some people uh, can go right back into the thick of things, and some people can't. The history of AA is full of people who who had one one horrible binge and came right back and started to help again and sponsor again. Um, it's if you feel recovered, if you believe you have recovered, if you have the the personality change sufficient to overcome your addiction. If you have that, uh, you know what you 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 have much to give. I relapsed for seven years in the, my first seven years in this fellowship. It's been almost thirty years since I haven't relapsed, but I had seven years uh, that I did, and I've a, I that experience has taught me a great deal. So I don't think there's any there's no hard and fast rule. It's it's all individual. What's important is is honesty. Uh, you know, if you want some a measure of perspective, if you have the book as Bill sees it, Bill's, which is OA-approved OA literature, uh, Bill's meditation book, meditation book of Bill's uh, writings, just look up slip or relapse. I've forgotten what it's under in the index. You'll see five or six things where he's basically saying, you know, it's in the words of Bobby Burns, I'll lay me down and bleed a while, then rise up and fight again. Sort of that whole concept of, yeah, fine, you learn a little bit and you get back up and you you, you carry the message again. I don't know what else to say. 
Thanks, Lori. Um, now we will stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares with the Zoom host. Please stop the recording.